Welcome to the fifth installment of the Three P Podcast. I'm Alex Castle, alongside with Stephen Benazzo and Josh Ronwood. What a great show we got lined up for you today, folks. First, we're going to start off by talking about The Last Dance, the overall outlook, the last two episodes, and what our thoughts are about the league today and back then, and how the documentary really shaped that. Then we are going to jump into some NFL news discussing one of the biggest possible new rules in the league, the Rooney rule. We'll get more into that later. And possibly in the end, we tackle a very controversial topic. Who is the most valuable athlete in sports right now? But first, we got to jump into the last dance. Guys, season finale, the ninth and 10th episode to conclude the overall documentary. Josh, what are your thoughts on it at this point after watching those two episodes? Um, so I think it was a very well done production. Huge shout out to everyone who was involved. Michael Jordan, everyone did a great job. Um, I think we're going to now see a trend with amongst athletes that this will be the norm. Kobe Bryant already said, well, I mean, he didn't say, but his team said that there's going to be a documentary about his final season as a Laker coming out. I wouldn't be shocked if LeBron has something or guys in other sports, let's say like a Mike Trout or Bryce Harper, Manny Machado. I think Michael Jordan is a trendsetter for guys to produce their own documentaries. I agree with you, Josh. Um, that's a great point. The This documentary was just, Obviously, in a time like this, we needed it, and it was uh, worth the watch. But also, you got to, you know, see inside the locker rooms, inside the games, inside the life of an athlete like Michael Jordan. So, down the future, I I could see, obviously, like you said, that Kobe Bryant started getting one. And that will be interesting to see in his last season, all the – adversity he had to go through with his injury, his age. Uh, obviously, the, their team wasn't the best. But other sports, you know, whether it's hockey, baseball, football, like Tom Brady, I mean, imagine a documentary with him and his Super Bowls and, the, you know, Belichick, just a past dynasty. It really did set, uh, create a trend and um, almost send a wave of excitement for all these high, uh, highly liked, highly popular athletes who achieve so much. So I hope there's many more documentaries like this. Both of you guys definitely hit the nail on the head with the fact that this is going to send trends for high profile athletes to do their own documentaries in the future. Um, but for me, for me, one of the biggest takeaways that I took was, you know, I, of course, we all know who Michael Jordan is. We all know what he has done for the sport of basketball. But I think with this documentary, the producers, Jordan, his team, they really pulled, pulled, the, pulled the curtain back. And you really got to see who Michael Jordan was, you know, not just the celebrity, not just the championship winning basketball player, but what type of person he was, how he interacted with the media, how he interacted with his team, how he interacted with his family. And, you know, I definitely think when you get to see a high profile athlete like that in that type of light, I think it shows you that, you know, you get to see the human side of them. And I think with Jordan, we got to saw the good and the bad with that. Um, 
And I truly think that it definitely can leave people questioning more about him in the end. You know, it, it questioned, it definitely, definitely still left me with some questions. And before the documentary was released, the first two episodes, Jordan said, a lot of you guys think I'm going to be an, I'm an asshole, you know, and all this other stuff. Because our, uh, our time, we, we weren't alive when he played. You know, we're now more into LeBron in this era of basketball. Our parents, they watched Jordan, but they didn't, you know, they didn't see all the other stuff that went on, the practices, what he actually did and said to his teammates or whoever to make him win those games and win championships. It really is, you know, crazy and unique and just astonishing what he did and what he had to do to do uh, to win everything because I, I, I'm at a loss of words to, I think a lot of people say, you know, he was too mean or he was not, you know, he was really good, but I wouldn't want to play with him. But if you played with him, he made you better. And listen, if he had to be mean like that and, you know, not really be the nicest teammate, listen, it's not like he didn't like them as people. He respected them, but he just wanted to make sure that he won at all costs. And some people, you know, whether you play sports or not, just have that winning mentality and they understand that. But some people just want to, you know, want everyone to be nice to each other. And then sometimes that just doesn't always work out. Uh, I just want to build off your point, Steve. Um, I think the world we're living in right now, and the era of sports we're living in, we're raised as soft um not everything is about participation trophies anymore well i mean it that's what it seems like now but back in the jordan era in the 90s it was like there's only one winner and if you didn't win you're a loser basically um and that's how that was jordan's mentality he wanted to bring that against with he wanted to bring that with his teammates and he wanted to bring out winners in all of his teammates and he would not settle for second place or anything lower than first. And it was very clear in all the practices that if you were not giving a hundred 110%, then why should you be a part of this team? And I think it's kind of a shame to see that die out right after Jordan left. You don't really see that anymore. I do agree with that, Josh, that you really do not, you know, that you don't see that anymore, that people, you know, today kind of will just accept whatever trophy they get. But I will say this to both of you. I do think that Jordan left something that we, that has carried on through generations of basketball players. And I think that it's that work hard mentality. And, and sure, you're not going to see it with a lot of these guys in the league, but you're telling me that the mama mentality was not influenced by Jordan. You're telling me that a lot of LeBron's work ethics were not influenced by Jordan. Sure, his, his win-at-all-costs attitude did not carry into this generation. But I do think that some of the ways that he played and some of his, mind, his mindset with certain things, that's what I think that he left. And we do see that. In episodes nine and um, ten, going on. Go ahead, Josh. Um, so you said that. Repeat the part that you just said about 
you were confused about the Mamba mentality and you don't see that in guys again? Can you just say what, what I, you just said? What I was saying was Jordan's mentality with how he played these games, how it was just get in the game, do what I can, strike for the kill, get the win, and get out. I was saying that that type of mentality it was influenced in other great basketball players. For example, the Mamba mentality. Both, not saying that the Mamba mentality was 100% dedicated to Michael Jordan, but they both had that same, I'm not going to back down. I'm going to play all four quarters the hardest, and I'm going to do whatever I can to win. I mean, I agree with that. Um, I think with someone like LeBron, for, for example, is like different. Um, I mean, LeBron needed other stars to win. So I don't think the Jordan mentality, like Jordan's mentality is like fully the same with like someone like LeBron is he needed Kyrie. He needed um, Dwayne Wade and Bosch to win championships. Um, but that's a different to That's a different to topic for another time. I agree. I think that I think that is a very interesting statement. Um, something that we can discuss in the near future. So, uh, Alex, based off your point with the mama mentality, almost um, being influenced by Jordan's mentality, I completely agree with your point because the mama mentality. You know what Kobe had was he was going to strike and he was going to strike hard. He wasn't going to let up. He didn't care who he, you know, hurt or affected. He just wanted to be the best, and he wanted the best out of everyone else. And that was the same way with Jordan. Um, these guys do this because they just want to win. They just want to be a winner and whatever whatever they do, not just basketball, just in life. Or, you know, it doesn't matter what they do. They just want to be number one. So you could see that, but yeah, a lot of guys now just don't have that mentality. Jordan, you know, certain, you know, some of the games that he played when he was just so tired and barely, you know, had no energy left, but he still carried the Bulls to the win or Kobe. Same thing with him or when Kobe tore his Achilles and he still shot the free throws, you know, that's just a different type of mentality. LeBron, he's got the mentality, but even at times, it seems like he doesn't. Like, he's so part of this new age of basketball. Um, and even, like, today I was watching Get Up, and Jalen Rose made some good points. Um, and then even in the past, I saw Jalen Rose made um, other points that I like. You know, as professional athletes, they get paid to be the best player they can be depending, you know, whatever sport they play. They don't get paid to be a nice teammate or a friendly guy or whatever. They get paid to be the best athlete they can possibly be and be a winner. And that's what Jordan and a guy like Kobe did. You know, they just wanted, then they did that. And they, like, Kobe won five NBA finals. Jordan won six. You know, all the finals MVPs, all, all these accomplishments. And also what Jalen Rose said was, 
that a guy like LeBron, who has been one of the mo- most dominant players in NBA, and especially during this time, he's obviously the face of the NBA now, and he has been for a while. He hasn't dominated this era like Jordan dominated the 90s. Jordan won so much that he didn't allow other stars in the league at that time, Charles Barkley, Patrick Ewing, uh, Gary Payton, to win championships because he beat them to either advance to the finals or he beat them in the championship. Guys like LeBron, you know, Steph Curry's beat him multiple times now. Jason Kidd and Dirk Nowitzki beat him that one time, you know, when the Heat played the Mavericks. So, yes, LeBron has won three championships. Yes, LeBron is an MVP. Yes, LeBron has many accolades. And yes, LeBron is one of the best players to ever play basketball professionally. But he hasn't been as dominant as Michael Jordan. And and I think that's very apparent in the documentary. I I, I really do. I mean, you know, just look at how how many times he was put in a position without that real, without guys like Scotty and guys like Dennis Rodman. He was still able to get the job done. And I think what you both are saying about LeBron needing that supporting cast around him to get the job done. I think that's a very fair point. I do see that too. You know, he was, I mean, like you said, Steve, when Jordan was in the league, you know, he was dealing with guys like Barkley and Johnson in the beginning of his career and Larry Bird, and he was still able to show them up. And, you know, the fact that LeBron was competing at a time when Kobe Bryant was in the league and Kobe was still doing his thing that kind of shows that. Um, so definitely, definitely interesting about that. Now, let, let's dive in a little more to the ninth and 10th episode. Towards the end of the 10th episode, um, when Jordan was watching the interview with Reinsdorf, giving the description about, you know, why that team did not come together again, Jordan said that, if the if there was a scenario where everyone can sign one year contracts again and make that run for the seventh championship, he said he would do it. He said he could see Jackson doing it. He could see Kerr doing it. He said with a little convincing, Scotty could do it. Do you guys see that seventh ring coming from that one more year? You know, keep in mind that it was very apparent not only in the 98 finals, but even in the 97 finals, that Jordan was gassed. He was running out of energy. He was mentally and physically tired of everything that had transpired in his career, good and bad. So what do you guys think? That's, that's tough because you can't count Jordan out because of what he's done in the past years. But to ask them to play one more full season to make the playoffs and then to win another championship, win many series, you know, winning at least four games in each series and then to move on to the championship and then win that. I mean, Utah gave them a run for the money. And Utah was not as experienced and overworked as the Bulls were. You got Stockton and Carmelone who were just kind of like coming, you know, getting to be this next duo. 
So it's tough because you want to say, yes, they could, but you got to understand how tough it really is to win a championship, not only in basketball, but in any league, any sport. So to me, if I had to give you my honest answer, I would say no. Um, like Jordan said, he thinks that they wouldn't be able to convince Scotty to come back and play. But his back was really becoming an issue for him in that series. Who says it wouldn't? He might have been able to play the whole regular season fine, but come playoff time, and like obviously we were saying in past episodes, this was a very physical league at the time. Who knows if his back would have started acting up? And Dennis Rodman, just another year older, and he obviously not had his own problems, but he did his own things at times. Who knows if he still would have been mentally there. And then Jordan, he's now another year older, another year that he would have to really carry this team. I just, I think that as much as you'd like to see them have won the seventh, I've seen them come back one more year. If they didn't, it almost not would have obviously ruined Jordan's career because what he did is just, you can't put anything against it. But Jordan went six for six in the NBA Finals. If he lost that one, you know, then that's a whole other conversation. So I think that it was almost good that they stopped there. Mr. Frago, um, scared away in. Thank you, Mr. Castle. Um, Steve, I respectfully disagree with what you said about if they made the run and let's say they lost the finals, that would tarnish his legacy a little bit, just because I think it would have been fitting that to dethrone the, the dogs on top, you got to beat them. And the way the Bulls went out and actually have that run for anyone to dethrone them, I think that that's what upsets Jordan, that they were never dethroned because they were kind of taken apart because of management. True, and he obviously I, – I do get your point, and that is a good point, and that's probably Jordan's point too, that he wanted – the way he probably wanted to go out was, well, then let someone else be better than us and be – you know, like we'll give it our all, and obviously we want to win, but if we can't, okay, now I get it's time to move on because we won all that we could and we gave it at all the past how many years. You know, it's just like, because you see Kobe has lost a finals or two. LeBron has lost a few. So the fact that Jordan went six for six is just incredible. I just didn't want to see that being ruined. But I do get your point that let's let someone else take the throne. I have a follow-up question for you guys. Let's say that all of those guys still end up going their respective paths. Pippen gets traded. Rodman still gets released. Kerr still gets traded. Phil Jackson is no longer the coach. But Michael Jordan is still the last man standing as he, in this scenario, wants to be part of a rebuild and try to win with another team. Do you think he can do that? No. He, um, at that point in his career, he was just, just too old, too gassed. You know, he put 
all those years where he just gave it his all, you, I don't care if you're Jordan or myself, you know, that's just too much to ask of your body. And then to get a whole new team, it, it's just tough. I mean, those guys have been playing with each other now for, you know, more than five years for a while. And then obviously Scottie Pippen was one of the best players in the league. And obviously they just drafted him. They didn't even acquire him because they're like, they knew he was going to be the best player, one of the best players in the league. They drafted him because they wanted him. And then he just, Jordan made him that much better. Um, It's just, it's tough to get a crew like that again um, and then win. And usually a rebuild takes more than a couple years. Now you're asking Jordan to go, you know, way into his late 30s, almost, you know, possibly his 40s. So I, I, I say no. Yeah, I also say no because, like Steve just said, he's in his late 30s, almost 40s. It's hard to do. Just look at how, like, how many minutes he got in the finals against the Jazz with no Pippen. He was playing almost over 40 minutes a game. And, and he was and he was 38, which is just insane to do. You talk about load management today, like he like redefined that. Um, but to to do it on another team, he didn't have his Robin. Like I, I don't know, I don't see it happening. Look, would they be a would they be a playoff team? Probably because Jordan is still the best player in the world. But I don't see a finals appearance. I, as much as I would like to think because of what Jordan has done, that with a new, young, fresh team, that he could pursue that seventh ring. But I think at the end of the day, he's human. His body took a tremendous beating. He was getting to a certain age where I don't think he could have been that guy anymore. But it's one of those questions to ponder and think, what if with athletes like Jordan? So now... Diving into another topic um, within the ni- within uh, the ninth and tenth episode, they focused a lot on Steve Kerr, you know. And Kerr Kerr's a great guy to look at, you know. He played for a historic franchise. He coached a historic franchise. He had his moments with Jordan, though. But I think, obviously, we know with the fight and everything. But I think what was special about this episode um, was the profile that they showed about the issues with him and his father. So I want to ask you guys, you know, what do you think that significance really brought to these last two episodes? And do you think that this was a huge draw point to show the, the true connections that Jordan had with these guys behind the scenes, even though he wouldn't show it? Um, definitely because, you know, Steve Kerr's father was assassinated. He was killed. Um, by gunman well he was the president at um uh what university it was um the american university american and, uh, university yeah so Beirut. so obviously his father was murdered and jordan's father was murdered the two of them in the documentary said they didn't talk about it because it was just too emotional too emotional for the both of them um but it did have that connection that brought them together. So whether, so for Steve's Kerr, Steve Kerr's case, you know, he was able to connect with Jordan because it both showed that 
this father figure of them, you know, their father was, they were killed. But for other players, certain things connected them with Jordan. So you didn't see that at the time, or you didn't see that, you know, on the court. But then looking at it now or inside the locker room, you know, that's how you're able to see the certain connections that these players made with each other and with Jordan to establish this relationship, to establish, you know, the relationship on the court. So um, it was definitely, it was sad. Um, it was emotional, but it was, um, it was, I don't want, I don't want, I'm trying to word this in the right way, but it did show you um, the other, that these guys are also human, you know, and that tragedy still happens in their lives, whether they're, you know, three-peat champions, but also they have normal lives too. Yeah. Um, that's a good point you just brought up, Steve, about like Steve Kerr, Michael Jordan, what they are human, even though we may not think so. Um Steve Kerr was a great example. Like you said, his father was assassinated in 84. He used basketball as his coping method. And it was a very tough time. He was a freshman at uh, Arizona. He didn't get highly recruited out of high school. Um, and he, after the funeral, he went back, practiced on his game, and just used that as his way to heal. Um, it was a beautiful thing he said in the documentary that when every time they play the national anthem, he thinks about his father. Even to this day, he's still the coach of the Golden State Warriors. Every single time they play the national anthem, he thinks of his father. And that's, I thought that really touched me. And it was a very beautiful thing to see. And I'm glad like they added that part into the documentary. It was. It was definitely a heartfelt moment. I think it was, you know, one of the one of the common topics that we've all been discussing is with this overall documentary is how these players have been aside from Jordan, his teammates, how they've been shown that they're they're human like all of us. So I think that when you can make that connection with sports in a documentary in an, in a TV show, however, I think that uh, it's truly special. Now. I've been wrestling with this ever since I saw this episode. I can't keep going back and forth with it. I have to ask you guys, was it the flu or pizza poisoning? Like, I, I after hearing that story, I think he got poisoned from the pizza, but I've also heard stories that he was drinking and gambling the night before. So my pick is food poisoning from the pizza. I want to hear what you guys have to say about this one, because I found this to be one of the most interesting debates uh, still to this day about Jordan. I'm going food poisoning because he, after he ate the pizzas when he felt very ill and no one else touched that pizza and everyone else was fine. And if he really had the flu, he would have to go through a lot more testing or precautions because the flu is contagious and more serious than food poisoning is. Um, plus, I'm sure we all have had food poisoning or some sort of where we ate something and made us not feel good. And 
I don't know how he went out and performed that well. I mean, they said he was throwing up multiple times. He could barely move at one point. Um, and then to go out and play in a game, I just – and then they had IV tests, you know, I um, hooked up to him. I just – I give him props for even playing, but I it was definitely the food. And then when a bunch of guys show up with pizza, that's a little sus too. Yeah, I, uh, I I thought that was very interesting too, Steve. You know, like, uh, you know, your typical delivery boy, it's one delivery boy. And then when you got a whole crowd showing up to deliver the pizza to Michael Jordan, it's a little, eh, I mean, you know, I, I saw a tweet from Trey Young that now he's never going to touch pizza in Utah again. So yeah, that's, that made me laugh too. Uh, yeah. So it's very uh, funny to see how pe- how players in the league are taking this as well. Yeah, I just wanted to jump on what both of you said. Sorry about my connection. Um, that I I found it funny that yeah, it takes five people to deliver one pizza. Like you both just said, that was very sus. And I, I don't know. I wouldn't trust it. I don't know why he would eat it. It was definitely food poisoning. Food poisoning, not the flu. But the flu game just sounds better than food poison game. If you think about it. Um, it's got got a nice ring to it (laughs) it does food poison game really is kind of boring I don't like it um mad props to Jordan still balling out (laughs) in the finals even though he was like puking all day he missed shooting around in the morning because he was in bed puking he was not himself but then again Jordan is not really human and I and I think the mentality with the flu game and the play with the flu game, I just, you know, going back to what we discussed earlier, I think that overall just separates the type of players from Jordan's era versus today. Easily, because if someone today, well, if they had the flu with all these new rules, they wouldn't even be allowed to play. And then if they had food, poisoning uh, food type sickness they would just sit on their own because they don't have a mentality which I don't blame them because I wouldn't be able to do it I mean you really have to have that different type of mentality to not focus about that and say I'm going to go out I'm going to play I'm going to give it my all and we're going to win and you know if I'm throwing up and I feel very sick my mentality is I just want to lay in bed I don't want to do anything I can barely pick my head up right now off my pillow. So, you know, it, it, it is a different type of mentality. And Jordan, I wish I, I wish I could, uh, he could share that mentality with me a little bit, but it's crazy. I, I think we all would like to have the mentality of Michael Jordan at some point in our lives. I truly think that his overall mentality and how he approached his sport I don't know if we'll truly ever see that in another athlete again. I don't know. Agreed. But overall, ESPN, Netflix, everyone involved um, did a tremendous job with The Last Dance. Um, It has been a great topic on this show that we've discussed. I've truly truly enjoyed discussing it with you guys. I hope uh, down the road we can bring it up again, as I do think that it is a great documentary to study, not only for the game of basketball, but sports in general. 
Um, and I hope that there continues to be more news about it and we do continue to see more documentaries like these. So now shifting gears to the gridiron, we are going to be talking about the Rooney Rule. Uh, for those of you who don't know, the Rooney Rule is a National Football League policy that requires league teams to interview ethnic minority candidates for head coaching and senior football operation jobs. Um, this is a rule that I, I really don't know how to feel about, to be honest. Um, I think the fact that a rule has to be set in place for ethnic and minority coaches and personnel to be hired shouldn't that shouldn't have to be a rule you know you shouldn't you shouldn't have to be you shouldn't have to hire these guys you know because of a certain skin color or a certain background you shouldn't want to hire them for that reason you want to hire these guys because they have the knowledge they have the skill to coach the team and bring truly value true value and listen i definitely see where the nfl is coming from with this i definitely think that this policy can definitely add more diversity. There's no doubt about that. That aspect, I agree. But I just think the way that the policy is written and the way that they're going about it um, is is not, you know, is not the right way. Um, now, what I want to hear from you guys, first, I want to know what you guys think of the policy in general. But there's also been some um, rumors and statements that um, teams who hire minority coaches will move up spots in the draft, which I can't even fathom that idea. It's almost like, a, a, you know, we're, we're going to throw you a bonus for, for signing this type of coach. So, Steve, what, what's your take on the policy? What's your take on the, the potential of moving up in draft picks with this rule? So the Rooney rule has actually been around for a little while now, but obviously it hasn't really worked. So now they are fixing it and updating a little bit so they can have it work. With the draft picks, it seems like now teams are just going to hire them so they get higher, you know, so they can get a higher pick. I don't even think they're going to do it because they even think they're qualified, you know? So I think they're just going to, like, um, like the NFL is looking, like, almost, like, desperate right now to, like, listen, you know, a lot of minority head coaches should be head coaches in the league or are very qualified, you know, but I'm sure they don't want to just be handed something because the team gets to just move up in the draft. They want to be hired because they want to know that that team trusts them in leading their team and being able to win. And, you know, I just, um, there are tons of tons of minority head coaches or coaches that should be head coaches or GMs. Um, a guy like Lewis Riddick, you know, watching him on NFL Live, he's just so insightful, so knowledgeable about this game, about the business aspects of him. I'm so shocked that he is not a general manager or a president or of something of working in the front office of a team. He has in the past, but he should be right now. I wish he worked for the Bears because – Everything he says, you know, he understands both sides always. He's just I – I just love to hear what he has to say, and I, I think he should be, you know, in the front office. A guy like Eric Bieniemy, 
for the Chiefs. He's an offensive coordinator. Listen, you know, he can easily be a head coach. And, but also, he, what if he's, you know, he could be satisfied with his spot as offensive coordinator because just because you're good at one, you know, coaching spot doesn't mean you'll be a great head coach. And that goes for, you know, whether you're Spanish, African-American, white, it doesn't matter. You know, you can be a great coordinator. Like it, uh, like, it, um, oh my God, watch this. The Giants, Pat Shermer, you know, great offensive coordinator with the Vikings. And just did not work out as head coach. And, you know, now he's back as offense. Co- what team did he um, get hired again to? I forget now. But that doesn't matter. But, you know, so certain guys are, you know, qualified for certain positions. And obviously everyone should be interviewed fairly, should be, you know, um, you know, certain guys are qualified for some positions and others, you know. So I think that it's good that they were looking at this rule again and, you know, to make sure that because you see there's still a majority of white people being hired for these top positions when sometimes they may not be the most qualified. Um, so it is good that they are looking at this rule to make sure that everyone is being treated fairly and that, you know, if someone is a minority and they have the chance to become a head coach or GM that, you know, they have the chance to acquire that spot. Um, but I just feel like the NFL shouldn't be, you know, hating teams, you know, because that, in that own right, it's not even fair to them. It's almost like, you know, so you move up because if you hire a minority, you know, I just, I don't know. I don't see that point. I think that everyone should be treated fairly. So if you hire them, you feel, you trust them, you believe in them, you know, if you were to hire, um, you know, a white person. So that's my little take. Yeah. I mean, that's interesting, Steve. Uh, I'm with you on that. Um, I disagree with rewarding teams based on if they hire the most minority coaches, because at the end of the day, Team success is based on on-field results as opposed to what the management and their front office jobs are doing because it's what the results of the team do and not management. So, okay, that's the first thing. The second thing is I'm stuck because I don't know how to feel about it because it's, it's a good thing for sure. Reward it. Like, there are definitely some talented coaches out there who may not have given been given a fair chance, but at the end of the day, like they shouldn't, there should be the best coaches should be the ones who represent a team, not their skin color. Um, so if Todd Bowles, for example, head coach of the jets, he shouldn't be rewarded a team position because of his skin color. Like if the team feels he's the best fit for that system, then he should be the coach. He's a great coordinator for the Buccaneers, but he was a terrible head coach. And then to that point, and what I was kind of saying earlier was, you know, a guy like Todd Bowles, he's been a great defensive coordinator for every team he's coached. And then when he had the chance to be a head coach, it didn't work out. 
Luckily, he got a defensive coordinator job back again. He's still coaching. But a guy like Eric Bieniemy, I would just hate to see him do so well when Super Bowls and, you know, have the best offense in the league. Then, you know, obviously be glad that he gets a chance to be the head coach. But if it doesn't work out for him, now what if he just doesn't get another shot again and now he has no position, you know? Um, so it, it is tough because the most qualified person should be hired, whether, you know, not based on what their skin color is. Now, it shouldn't be the trend to just continue hiring white people, white coaches, white general managers, um, if, and they just interview only one minority candidate, you know, they should hire who they feel. And obviously each team has their own different requirements and applicants that they feel are qualified, but you know, there are many talented, insightful, knowledgeable people in this league who, you know, of all different skin colors, you know, so it's, it's a tough, obviously subject to talk about. Um, since it's just not dealing with, you know, just are they good, you know, coach or whatever. It's obviously dealing with ethnicity and stuff like that, which is still, you know, a big issue in today's world. But it's something that you do have to talk about. It's something that you've got to figure out to make sure that there is equality going throughout this league, because if there isn't, then that's a big problem. And then you got to fix that. So you know, I'm, I'm in support of what the NFL is doing, but I think they got to rework it a little bit where they're just not handing out rewards to the teams just because if they do this, I want to make sure that everyone is being hired and treated fairly. I, I definitely think that there is a lot surrounding this new rule. I think both of you have made great points. I think that they're definitely going to have to see you know, where they, where the middle ground is going to be with this in terms of hiring certain coaches, the rewards. So it will be interesting to see how the NFL handles this with the season quickly approaching with facilities starting to open again, with teams slowly starting to get back into the swing of things, of course, with still while observing and monitoring the situation with COVID-19, but it's definitely something interesting to see how it'll develop and of course, we at the three, we here at the Three Peak Podcast will continue to update you on that as the story continues to break. And by the way, Steve, to answer your point from earlier, Pat Shermer is actually the new offensive coordinator for the Denver Broncos, which I find yes. to be very interesting because they're going to have a very nice young offense. So I'm curious to see if Shermer could have a repeat with them like he did with the Vikings. Thank you, so Alex. Oh, oh, of course, of course. You know, as a former Giants fan, you know, look, Shermer did not give us what we thought, but it's always, but it's always, uh, you know, it's always good to uh, to see, you know, where they end up. So, um, to wrap up the uh, the the show today, a uh, question I want to ask you guys is. Um, I'm sorry. I'd like to uh, set the record straight. I am still a Giants fan to this day. One of my hosts has so graciously pointed that out. I bleed blue till the day I die. Now, getting back to the question at hand, um, we talked about earlier uh, the type of athlete that Jordan was, the type of athletes that he competed with at that time, 
how that's transpired into athletes today. If, if you were to be, if I were to ask you guys what one athlete um, is considered to be the most valued athlete, the most looked at athlete for their skill, who would you guys say? And because he was so nice to point it out, Josh, I'm going to start off with you. Thank you, Mr. Former Giant fan. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. I think it's a very tough question, but I think right now it has to be Patrick Mahomes. What he's done for the Chiefs in, in such a short term, winning MVP, posting ridiculous numbers in two seasons, this year missed, what, four games with, with the Chiefs and still still had an insane playoff, obviously a Super Bowl run, Super Bowl MVP. The stuff he's doing just makes people want to grow up to be a quarterback in the NFL. Throw a pass if you're ready. Throw a pass with your left hand, not looking. Like he's just doing stuff that you dream of doing in a backyard football game, and people just want to be like him. So I don't know how this guy he is not the most valuable player in all of sports. For me, you know, you could argue LeBron James, three championships, a lot of MVPs. You maybe even argue Steph Curry or Kevin Durant. And then moving to uh, NHL, Cindy Crosby, who won three Stanley Cups with the Penguins. Was it three, right? I believe it is three. But I, I hate to do, not hate to do this, but I got to go Tom Brady. I, six Super Bowls? How can you, whether you say, well, that's all Bill Belichick or whatever, you know, they always had good teams. At the end of the day, you need good quarterback play to win games and win championships, in which the Chiefs now have in Mahomes. But I think it's too early in Mahomes' career to argue that he's the most valuable athlete right now. Um, Tom Brady, you know, last season obviously wasn't the best season he's had in losing in the wild card round to the Titans, but that team was, they had a good defense, but that offense was just not good. Terrible. It was terrible. It was awful. Yeah. I mean, Edelman was they didn't really have a true number one receiver because Edelman's not a true number one receiver. He's a great slot guy, but they didn't have a really a solid guy outside. They didn't have a good tight end. You know, you still have some good running backs and Michelle and James White, but even them, like White is a really good receiving back, but he's not the best actual pure running back. But just in the past, I mean, six Super Bowls is so much. The great, you know, Joe Montana, you know, he only won five because Brady passed his record with six. And Brady's been to many more. He's been to, let's see, he lost three. So, lost to the Giants twice, Nico Castle, and then he lost to the Eagles. But it's not easy winning. You only get one game in football. So, for him to win six and then win all those playoff games, all the divisional, you know, how many times were they division champs from it? Let's not talk about that. <laughs> so as you can see that Patriots 
team dominated the AFC East, really just the AFC for almost 20 years, you know, for as long as Brady's been playing. And you look at the Patriots before Brady and a little bit before Bledsoe, they were not good. So for Brady to then go in, six-round pick, and then win all that, you got to – he's definitely the most valuable player. And then we'll see what he does in Tampa Bay. Um, his age now might restrict him a little bit, but he's got like, some good weapons. And if he brings them a championship, then he's easily, without a doubt, the most valuable athlete of his time currently. All right, Trubisky, simmered down a little. Um, hey. Quick question for you. Do you think Tom Brady is the best player in football right now? He may not be the best player, but he's the most valuable. Best, talent who would wise? you say, talent-wise, who's the best player? I mean, obviously Mahomes? you can say Mahomes, but what about, Mar- I mean, talent, talent like DeAndre Hopkins, Aaron Donald, Khalil Mack. Okay, but let's just look at the Buccaneers now with Brady. There's so much talent around him that I don't think if you replace a court, like, okay, they're replacing Jameis Winston because he was a defense's best friend. Let's say they brought in someone like, I don't know, like Cam Newton, who is still a free agent. They'd probably still be a decent team that would be getting a lot of hype because Cam Newton is still was a former MVP. Okay. I get he's been injury prone, whatever. I'm not saying that it's ideal. It was just a thought, but to think that Brady is 42 and you're saying he's still the most valuable player in all of sports right now kind of is blasphemy to me because look at what, Mahomes has done in a short term. Look at and if you look at other sports, guys Mahomes. like Mahomes, yeah. Look at what he's done. Yeah, what he's done is incredible, but he's had such a good team. He has everything in play. He is one of the best head coaches in all football, Andy Reid. He his offense, he's got one of the best tight ends. He's got some of the best receivers. You know, he's got a good defense now with Tyron Matthew, Chris Jones. Um, so, and obviously you have to be like, I give him, like, he deserves all the credit because he has one MVP has won the Super Bowl, but Tom Brady now is bringing this Bucks team where if they still had Jameis Winston or even a guy like Kim Newen, if they had Jameis Winston, they would not be in Super Bowl talks at all. I agree. If you had Kim Newen, maybe some. But because they added Tom Brady, they are now almost Super Bowl favorites. And you also had Gronk, you know? So, like, they become – that's what, like, the level of Tom Brady is. Like, he's very valuable. For whatever whatever team he goes to, he would bring their Super Bowl odds up that much because of who he is. If he went to, um, see, the Chargers, people instantly saying, all right, Chargers – I can see them winning the Super Bowl because they already have a pretty good team in place. And then their their QB play, I mean, Phil Rivers last year just did not do well. Even if he came to Chicago, Chicago's had a quarterback problem since Sid Luckman, really. I mean, Jim McMahon wasn't bad for that year or so, but he still wasn't 
the best. If Brady came to Chicago, I mean, Matt Nagy's offense is a little different than what Brady usually runs, but whatever. They would, a lot of people would be saying, oh, shoot, the Bears have a legitimate chance. Now people are saying the Bears are going to go 3 13 because we have Trubisky. So it doesn't matter what team he goes to. He almost, I bet if he went to the Giants that with Joe Judge, they might get some Super Bowl talks because he's Tom Brady. And when, and even if Tom Brady doesn't win the Super Bowl, when has he had a losing season? Because he's got that same type of mentality as Jordan, whether it's not the same and more may be a little different, you know, usually the quarterback's a leader of the team, especially on offense. And he leads his teams to a lot of wins and six championships. Uh, are you done? I, I can't stand hearing any of this. I'm done. I'm done. Um, listen, I'm, I, listen, I'm not a Brady <laughs> fan. I'm not a Patriots fan, but just like Mahomes, you got to give the guy credit because for sure he's accomplished that, you know? But to say that you're comparing Mahomes' success because he had Andy Reid kind of baffles me because he had Bill Belichick and Rob Gronkowski when they made when they had their six rings, when they won their championships. So I don't know. I, I disagree heavily. I think there's many other athletes ahead of Brady right now. Look, no, I'm not like discrediting Brady and the success he's had, but at the moment, right now, there I'd put a lot of athletes ahead of Brady. That's understandable. I gotta ask, are you agreeing with me and Brady? I, I no. I think I agree that I agree that both Mahomes and Brady can be seen as valuable athletes. I don't doubt that. But I was gonna say like R.J. Barrett or someone. Before I get to my athlete, I, it's not. I, I am an X fan. Yes, I know they're they're the sad story of of the of the uh, National Basketball Association. Um, but no, um, I do think that both of the guys that you mentioned are great picks. Um, although I do have to agree with Josh a little more, Steve. Not that I don't see your points, um, but. I do think that now listen, Tom Brady was, was this toothpick when he got drafted out of Michigan. All right. There, there, there's no doubt about that, but I think that um, he has had a lot of guys in the past that have helped him to get where he is. However, I do think that he is one of the best quarterbacks of all time. There's no doubt about that. No doubt about that. But with the young talent that's coming into this league, <clears throat> to say that he's the most valuable, I don't know. Now, going to Josh with Mahomes, I do agree with that, that Mahomes can be seen as a more valuable athlete. However, Mahomes has still got a lot of his career to go, you know? I mean, sure, he got paired up with a great coach. You know, he had great receivers. He had a great defense. But who's to say that with this talent, he, you know, he – can't produce the same numbers in a different system. So we have to see how it pans out. But I do tend to agree more with Josh in terms of Mahomes being more valuable. Now, my pick, this athlete does not have any championships in their respective sport. But I feel because of his skill and his talent, he just not only truly stands out in his sport, but as an athlete in general. And that is Mr. Mm -hmm. Mike Trout. Mike Trout, 
I feel it could could be one of the best baseball players of all time. Still very early to say. He's still got some more um, in his career to do. But, you know, an eight-time All-Star, All-MLB first team in 2009, three-time AL MVP. The guy's even hit for the cycle. He's a special player. You know, with his side, with his size, the speed, the power, the agility that he does in the outfield, it's very special. And I'm not really sure if you see too many athletes like that, not only in baseball, but in general, that can really hone on all these skills with with the type of player that he is. Now, can he win a championship someday? I'd really like to hope so. I mean, you know, Trout, he's a Jersey guy, so I got a soft spot for him in that sense. Um, But... I'm not sure if he can do it with the Angels. I really don't know. I, yes, he's a very special player, but I'm not sure if he's at that level yet. Maybe give it another year or so. Um, but just looking at all the athletes right now, everyone in their respective league, I, I just I got to go with Trout. And to your point, Alex, like baseball is the hardest sport to win individually. Like you need your team. Like in football – you can kind of get carried by one guy. Still not really. You still need the whole team performing well. Basketball, it can be carried by one guy. And we saw with Jordan. Jordan single-handedly carried the Bulls uh, before Pippen, before Rodman, and even when Pippen was injured. But baseball, you just can't do it. You only get sometimes three at-bats. You know, usually on average three. If you do well, four, five, um, but, like, the Angels just don't have any pitchers. So, it just feels like they, they're constantly behind, allowing runs. So, what Trout does, you know, by it seems like he's always on base, whether he walks, gets hit, hits it out of the park, you know. He really does do it all for them in his fielding. So, he's, he is very valuable to them. I, if they did not have Trout, they would – they would – probably be one of the worst teams in the league. But, and also because they have Trout, he has now appealed certain guys coming there, like Albert Pujols. Now Pujols is out of his prime and old. But at the time when he was in his prime and he entered free agency, he signed with the Angels. Or a guy like Rendon. He just won a World Series with the Washington Nationals who could have kept that core together with Scherzer under contract. Juan Soto still only... 21. I mean, they still had a lot of their pieces, but he left to go play for the Angels with Mike Trout to try to do the same thing, but with the Angels. So he he really is, he's definitely probably the most valuable player in MLB. And it just thinks that the team that he's on just hasn't given him enough guys, good players for them to go far. And the AL West is a tough – you have the Astros, the Athletics, for whatever reason, are always a good team, even though they don't even really have a true superstar like Trout. They just have a bunch of good guys that can get the job done. So Trout is very valuable, and I hope one day he does bring a World Series. Hopefully it's with the Yankees, even though it won't be because he's under a contract for another 14 years unless he gets traded, but 
Let the Yankees win one, one or two first, and then Trout can win his. But I do hope that Trout gets his post up that World Series trophy one day because he deserves yeah. it. That's a good. That's a that's a good one, Alex. I'm impressed with you. Um, Trout is like is hands down the best player in baseball right now. Um, then it's unfortunate that he hasn't seen the playoffs. He may never see the World Series because he's under contract till he's like forty something. Um, so it's unfortunate that all of his talent won't result to postseason success unless they make some drastic moves, like you both have said. Um, but yeah, I, I'm speechless. That, that's a good one. I appreciate it. Um, yeah, I'm not. I'm not the biggest baseball fan. I am a Yankee fan, both like you guys. Um, I do like, you know, I do like baseball. I do watch games here and there. I don't watch it as much as football and basketball, but just the games that I've watched with Trout on TV, in person in Yankee Stadium, in the Coliseum one time, even at an A's um, Angels game, just incredible to watch. Incredible. So, folks, that's all the time that we have for this installment of the Three Pete Podcast. Um, I want to thank Josh and Steve for always being uh, great co-hosts, great guys, give a lot of great insight. I've had a, a great pleasure. Um, even though he didn't join us today, I want to give a shout out to our head of social media, uh, Alex Ortiz. Um, he's done a great job with uh, keeping updates with all the news all around sports. He'll continue to do so. Um, if you don't wa- if you don't follow already, follow at the Three P Podcast on Instagram to get, like I said, constant updates and more info and even bes- behind the scenes access on our show. And tune in next week for more great stories, possibly more um, information for the Rooney Rule, possibly more information with basketball, maybe even baseball. Who knows? You got to tune in to find out. And once again. I am Alex Castle, a fan of the New York Giants, joined by Stephen Manazio and Josh Bromwitz. And as always here from the 3 P podcast, we hope you and your families are staying healthy and safe, and we'll join you again next week. Thank you.